Well, I want to ask you the question, what comes to mind when you hear the word gifted? Uh, gifted. What do you think of? Uh, I think back to my college days. I had this roommate who had one of those photographic memories. Do you know anyone with a photographic memory? Um, you know, I had to do in college, I had to do everything I could possibly do to retain the information, uh, to keep the stuff that I had to study from going in one side of my brain and leaking out the other side of the brain before the test came. My roommate, on the other hand, he would show up the morning of the test, sit down at his desk, and he'd take out his notes and he'd glance through them for a couple of minutes, and that was it. He'd take the test, and most of the time, he would come out with a better grade than me. I've got to tell you, that is when the struggle to not be resentful gets real. Um, but, uh, but maybe when you hear gifted, you think of that superstar athlete, right? Maybe uh, Aaron Judge or Stephon Curry, or, or maybe you think of a musician, uh, a political leader, uh, an actor. We, we tend, by and large, to apply that label gifted. We fix it on, oftentimes, the minority, the minority who seem to be able to do what the majority just can't seem to do, right? And, and my hope this morning is to blow that understanding up, um, to completely change the way that we see gifted, to understand that it doesn't just apply to the few, it applies to you, um, so we've been in this series uh, going through the book of 1 Corinthians. It's called Growing Pains, and we are making our way th- right through this book, and we're up to chapter 12, where we're starting to unpack the subject of spiritual gifts. Um, and so what we're going to find out here uh, this week and next week, and probably for a while after that too, is that every redeemed child of God has been divinely gifted in unique ways for a particular purpose. We say that again. Every redeemed child of God has been divinely gifted in unique ways for a particular purpose. And so one of the marks of maturity, of spiritual maturity, is is understanding and discovering what your gifting is and then actively using that to bless others and to build up the church that you're connected to. So if you have a Bible, uh, open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read through the first uh, seven verses, and, uh, and then we'll unpack it together. It says this, Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says... Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All right, now, there's just a few verses there, but there's so much there to unpack We're actually going to go through this passage two times. We don't typically do that, but this morning we're going to do first a flyover, and then we're going to go back and do a deeper dive. 
So the flyover starts out with this. Just basically through those verses we just read, there's, there's four different terms that each help us understand, get a sense of what it is that we're talking about when we talk about spiritual gifts. Uh, verse 1 says this, now about spiritual gifts. And when you look at the Greek, it doesn't actually say gifts. It says basically now about spiritual. Um, the, the word is pneumatican, and it's basically it's the same root word for the Holy Spirit. And, and you may have picked up already, if you haven't, I'll make note of it, that the Holy Spirit is central to any conversation that's had about spiritual gifts. Um, he's mentioned in this passage, we're looking at 10 different times in 11 verses, um, the Holy Spirit, which is a who, a he, not a who, I'm sorry. Um, he is the source of spiritual gifts. Um, he's the part of the Trinity, the Godhead, and he gives them to God's redeemed children. And so when you place saving faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in your heart. He sets up his home in our hearts, and when he comes, he brings with him these, these giftings, these enablements. And so that's, uh, that's the first term we see. And then in verse 4, uh, that's where we first see that word gifts. The, the Greek word literally means graces. We translate it as gifts, but it's graces. And it's a reminder that these gifts that were given, they're, they're given freely. In other words, we don't earn them. We don't work our way towards our spiritual gifts. God gives them because that's who he is. He is a gracious God. He is a good God. He's a generous God, and he gives gifts to his children. Uh, then it says this. It says there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Now, that, that word for service um, means ministry, basically. That's the, uh, that's the Greek word. The idea is this, that God's gifts, the gifts that he gives, empower his people to carry out ministry. And so one of the questions I sometimes ask our church, I'll ask it this morning, is how many ministers do we have here at Lakeview Community Church? Don't answer one. That's the wrong answer, right? If you are a member of this church, you are a minister. You are in ministry. God has called each of us to some kind of ministry to do something. And that gifting that you've been given, that's what equips you to carry out that ministry, to carry out God's call. Okay, one last one. In verse, verse 6, it describes these gifts as, as a manifestation of the Spirit. It says, to each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, let me just first highlight that each one part, to each is given. Uh, that, that means you, just, just to clarify, uh, you are not left out of receiving a spiritual gift if you are a child of God. You may feel like you've got nothing to give. I have nothing to, what could I possibly offer that would be any good uh, to what God is doing, to what church is about, to ministry? That just doesn't seem possible. It is. You do, and it's your spiritual gift given to you by the Holy Spirit that equips you to do that. And, and I'll add this, that discovering what that is, what that ministry God has for you and the gifting that he's given you to accomplish that, that is one of the most exciting parts 
of spiritual faith, of growing in the Lord. Uh, I'll just give you the really short, short story of how it started for me, by and large. I, I graduated from college. I came back home to my church. Um, I showed up. I was a business major. I had zero intentions of being in ministry, and I was about the only post-college guy at our church who was younger than about age 50. So there was a big span of age gap in our church, and one of the guys came to me and said, hey, Brian, you know, you're, you're a young person. We've got this group of, of teenagers that meet on Sunday nights in the basement. Do you think you want to help out with them? I'm pretty sure my exact reply was, I have no idea what good I'll be, but I'll show up. And that's how it started. That's, <laughs> that was the first step to what led to, um, you know, God's just continual call uh, in ministry. And so there's just a whole lot here to see. Um, but, uh, but so that's to each one. Let me get back to the other part of that verse, the manifestation of the Spirit, it says. That, doesn't that sound kind of mystical? Manifestation of the Spirit. If it, if it does, it should. It's meant to. It's intentional. Because the spiritual gifts that we're given, okay, don't reduce it to, oh, that's just another way of talking about our natural talents. No, that's, that's not what it is. It's, it can include that, but it's not, it's not that. This is a deposit of something supernatural into our lives. It's the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit working through individual lives to accomplish his purposes. Oh, that's, that's what we're looking at. So, so it's not just about us doing something for God. It's just as much about God doing something through us. And so think about it that way. Think about it that way. So, okay, so that's the flyover. Now we're going to go back to the start of this passage and go for a deeper dive. In verse 1, Paul is establishing here that this church, this Corinthian church that he's writing to, they just didn't know how to go about working through these spiritual gifts. How do, we, how do we use them in a local church setting? So he says right at the start, concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. See, they knew at that point just enough to be dangerous. The Corinthians were over the top about certain spiritual gifts and then there are other gifts that they had dismissed and ignored and set aside. And that was causing some problems in their church community. And it's a problem that continues uh, to this day. It's a struggle many churches have today. Uh, you see, here's what we're going to look at. There are certain spiritual gifts that fall under a broad character that, a character, a category that you might call spectacular gifts or, or charismatic gifts, okay? So that's one broad category. There's another category of gifts that are equally as important, but they fall into the category of just ordinary gifts, okay? And most churches struggle with how to make space for both, for both categories of gifts. Some churches will obsess over the extraordinary, and dismiss the ordinary, and other churches will do the opposite. They'll obsess over the ordinary, and they'll dismiss the extraordinary. It's, it's a challenge that remains to this day. So this church in Corinth, they were crazy over the charismatic gifts. 
Okay, their litmus test, how they gauge whether the Holy Spirit was at work in their midst was that there was some kind of extraordinary, inexplicable, supernatural ministry taking place. So in other words, if people were speaking in tongues, if, if healings were happening, if spontaneous words of knowledge were being spoken, then they got the thumbs up, man, this is good. The Holy Spirit is in the house. Come on, right? And, and, and much of that was good, and it still is good. It's needed. It's healthy. It's necessary. But there was a problem in that church. The problem was that it turned into a free-for-all. There, there were no guardrails. So at the local church level, what we see here in this passage is that spiritual gifts and the expression of them require guardrails. So this Corinthian church is a case study for us. That's how we see that. So, so they hadn't applied the very basic discernment skills necessary to realize, it says here in verse 1, that the Holy Spirit would never inspire a person to make the statement, Jesus is accursed. Now, that may sound absolutely crazy to you. What? Who would ever say that? That's what was happening in the first church of Corinth. They were getting up to the platform and they were saying, Jesus is anathema. And, and when that happened, their response was kind of a passive shrug. Well, hey, if that's the way the Lord is moving, if that's what the Spirit's doing, then so be it. Now, you don't have to have a degree in theology, okay, to figure out that if someone is saying Jesus is anathema in the church, people are going home, leaving the church with that being the message they've heard, something has gone terribly wrong. Something has really gone wrong. So in their, in their zeal for these supernatural, powerful manifestations, here's what happened. The Corinthians ended up tapping into a demonic spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. So you need to take note of that. The Holy Spirit is not the only spirit who is seeking to influence your life or this church as well, right? And so, and so this passage here lays out two foundational guardrails. First one is this. Make the message, not the manifestation, the litmus test. Make the message, not the manifestation, the litmus test. I hope you're able to receive this. So the question is, how do you discern if what is happening is of the Holy Spirit? Okay, here's, here's, what, here's how you don't do it. It's not from the Holy Spirit because it's powerful or because it's spontaneous or because it's something you'd never expected. There goes my what? My power. <laughs> it's not because it gives you goosebumps down your back or it makes you, for, you feel warm and fuzzy inside. Uh, none of that. The reason you know it's from the Holy Spirit is because Jesus gets exalted. See, that's, that's what it says. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. The message has to be the litmus test, not the manifestation. So when the Holy Spirit's at work, Jesus gets exalted as Lord of lords, as King of kings, as the highest above all others. That's, 
That's what the Holy Spirit is about. Making much of Jesus is the defining, exclusive, signature work of the Holy Spirit. And so he distributes these gifts, and the gifts he gives empower us to make much of Jesus as we exercise them. In extraordinary ways, sometimes. In ordinary ways, other times. In Christ-exalting ways, all the time. There we go. All right. Guardrail number one. Make the message, not the manifestation, the litmus test. And there's a second guardrail. Guardrail number two is don't set the gifts up against each other. Now, there is a priority to them and how they get expressed in a congregational level. We're going to get to that in a couple of chapters, but, but there needs to be enough space in a church setting for all of them to be expressed. They're, they're designed to complement, not to compete. And so Paul is repeating the same message three times in three different ways in these verses. He says, there's varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There's varieties of service, but the same Lord. There's varieties of activities, but the same God empowers them in everyone. So the message he's getting at, the drum that he's beating is pretty clear. There's, there's all kinds of different gifts. They all come from the same place, from the same source. They're all from God. And that means they all matter. They're, they're made to work together, to complement, not to compete. And so we need to be aware to not turn both ands into either ors. It's a very common thing. Don't turn both ands into either ors. Now, a little bit about me. The church I grew up in, uh, it, was, it was big on the Bible. Bible instruction was everything. And I am very grateful to have grown up with that, to have that kind of just poured into my life. They were, they were all about doctrine and if the Bible doesn't says it, say it, then we don't do it. Except for one area. Except when it came to what the Bible taught about the charismatic gifts. They taught that those had ceased. That they are no longer in operation today. And I just assumed that that was true until God of age. And eventually I studied it for myself. And what I found out is that the Bible doesn't teach that at all, that it's actually, it's a philosophical construct that they apply into scripture, but it's not something you would ever draw out of scripture. The Bible teaches the opposite, that all of the gifts given by the Spirit are all active in operation, and they're needed. Even the ones that we can't manage and control, and none of them cease until Jesus returns. That's when that happens. Okay, so that's on the one side. On the other side, I can't tell you how many times over the years I've had people tell me this. Sounds just like something like this. Pastor, I need to speak to you. I really think you need to make space for the Spirit to move. We can't be putting limits on what the Spirit wants to do in this place. And, and over the years, I've come to understand that most of the time, that's a code. It's a code for saying the spontaneous gifts, the, the demonstrative ones, the charismatic ones, those are the gifts that matter. 
Those are the ones that need to be prioritized, not, not the normative ones, not the ordinary ones. And, and so oftentimes what that's saying is this, set the discernment aside. Don't worry about teaching and preaching and all that stuff. The only thing we need is to open ourselves up, give the Holy Spirit free reign, right? Do you hear the either or in that? That's, that's pushing certain gifts to the forefront, other gifts to the background. I've actually had it said, don't spend your time preparing a message. We don't need to hear the words of man. What we need is to hear from God. Again, either or. All you got to do is just, just show up and pray and let the Holy Spirit tell you what to say. These are actual conversations I've had. And, and, and my response is typically to say something like this. Well, why would I want to wait till Sunday morning to start hearing from the Holy Spirit? I'm not quite sure. Why wouldn't I want to give him as much time and space as possible to be speaking into my life? You know, I, I try personally to do whatever I can to be tuned into his voice all week long through the entire preparation process as I'm getting ready to speak and, and I'm listening as best I can to what he has to say. And to dismiss that, that, that would be spiritual negligence on my part. That's basic stewardship. And so uh, different ways, both ends can be turned into either ors. And I got to tell you, this was an issue that when we started this church 20 years ago, this was heavy on my heart because uh, you probably know the norm in churches these days are just basically extremes. So... So those who have ordinary gifts will go to one church, right? And then those with the extraordinary gifts, they go to another church and never the two kind of cross-pollinate. And that grieved my heart. And I just remember like just praying to the Lord, Lord, I don't know how, but would you somehow give us balance? Show us what it looks like to have a both and, not an either or. It can't be good for your body. And I'm just reminded this week, that's a prayer. I need to continue to pray. Uh, but I, I did have one story. Some of you may have heard this before. I probably have shared this in our membership class or our newcomers class or something like that. But it encouraged me that at least maybe we're getting near into the ballpark of, uh, of, of what that could look like. And, and it happened several years ago. Uh, the people that involved have moved away, so it won't be pointing to any person in particular. Uh, but a lady came up to me before church and said, Pastor Brian... I feel like I have a word from the Lord uh, to tell to someone. And she said, I really want to run it by you because I'm not sure about it. And I said, sure, I, would, I appreciate you coming to me, and I'd love to hear it. And she said, well, the word is just, it's just a word of Scripture, Matthew 18, that if somebody has a, a problem with someone else, go to that person just between you and him and make what's right wrong again. And she said, I want to tell this to this individual. And I said, you know what, I, I, I affirm that. Thank you for coming to me, and I think you should go and tell him. And so she went and tell him, told him, and afterwards he came to me, and he was, he was kind of mad at me. He said, uh, he said um, who, told, who told her that I was having a problem with him? And I said, I didn't tell her. And she said, he didn't tell me. And he said, 
well, if you didn't tell her and she didn't tell you, then that must mean that this is from God. And she said, because I've got a problem with this person and I better go make it right. And, uh, and he applied that scripture. He went to the person and they had reconciliation. The thing that was broken became fixed again. And that was just a beautiful thing. And I also love that it wasn't like under the spotlight, right? It wasn't like something that had to happen in front of everybody with a smoke show in the background and all kinds of emotional things happening up on stage. It, it was a part of the church life. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, that's just a little snapshot of what that could look like. And we're just going to continue to press into that. And, you know, we probably are at a church where if you are kind of leaning towards one side, whatever that side is, it's a little uncomfortable for you because you'd like it to be more that way. And so I just want to commend you uh, if that is your inclination and you're feeling that, 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 that you have a little bit busted out of your comfort zone to be at a place like Lakeview Community Church because we are trying to put this all together uh, in a very imperfect way, uh, and we're not going to stop. We're going to continue to press into that. Okay, let's keep reading, go on to the rest of the passage. It lays out this list of, of what the spiritual gifts are. It says, uh, it says this. It says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another works, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. All right, so that, that passage, what we see here, it's a, it's a list um, it's an example list here. It's not an exhaustive list. Uh, if we keep on reading this passage, if we get down to verse 28, it adds in the gifts of apostles, of teaching, of helping others, of administration. And if you look to Romans, uh, into Ephesians, there's more gifts there, the gifts of serving, of encouraging, of, of giving, of leadership, of, of mercy, of evangelism, of pastors and teaching and uh, there's, there's a lot of lists, and, and, and the idea is that this is an example. Uh, it's not exhaustive. And the point is to celebrate. To celebrate, first of all, that our Father has a lot of gifts to give us. There's a lot of them, and he gives them generously. And number two, if you are a Christian, that he has is, he is deposited at least one of those gifts into your life. Uh, Maybe it's the gift of, of prophecy, right? Prophecy is not only about, you know, like fortune-telling and telling the future. It's about forth-telling uh, the truth, the reality of God's word with power and with clarity. Uh, some people have the gift of service. Um, you know, uh, they just love to help out. It doesn't matter what they're doing as long as they're doing something and they know it's going to just bless the body, build up the church. They are happy as can be. Um, some have the gift of teaching. You just love to study, to put talks together, uh, to, to do research, to communicate truth in practical ways. Um, some are encouragers, uh, right? They just, these people who just love to come alongside others and cheer them on and build them up and draw out the best in people so they can be everything that God is calling them to be. 
Some have the gift of giving. They just, they just love to give to needs, to invest in God's work and see it expand. Um, some have the leadership gift. They just look around and see something needs to be done here. We got to lead a charge and they set goals, they rally people, they get things moving in the right direction. Others have the gift of mercy and they just kind of are drawn to people who are hurting. If going through a hard time, they just come alongside them, put their arm around them and just love on them with God's love. There's those with the gift of evangelism. They just love sharing the gospel. Can't get enough of just walking up to people, building relationships, getting the chance to to share Christ and bring people to a point of decision. Uh, There are some who have the gift of miracles that God actually works through you to do extraordinary things, inexplicable things that bear witness to who Jesus is. There's there's a gift of healing uh, that uh, apart from just medical practices, it's just serving as a human vessel through which the the great physician, Jesus, uh, will bring healing from sickness and restore people's health. And right alongside that is the gift of administration, right? One extraordinary, one very ordinary, both completely essential. Someone who just loves to put things in place and organize and set systems up and plan. They're all needed. There's the gift of wisdom, being able to kind of understand God's truth and then just apply it to real practical situations, help other people, counsel them through difficult times, right? Uh, There's a gift of knowledge. Seems to be it's something like God will sometimes give someone supernatural insight into something that they just couldn't know. Uh, And and, and it's it's used for a way to help someone uh, break out of a difficult situation they're in. There's those with the gift of faith, And they just have this extraordinary, unshakable confidence that if this is what God wants done, then it's going to happen. There's no room for any doubt. They're going to take risks. They're going to trust God for big things. And they're going to inspire others to do the same. Uh, There's also the gift of distinguishing uh, between spirits or discernment and and, and, and that's being able to see a truth from a lie, right? The, the, the genuine, the authentic from the counterfeit, uh, the divine from the demonic, and truth versus false. Uh, there's the gift of speaking in tongues, the ability to speak in, or, or pray a message from God in a spiritual language that that person doesn't know. And along with that, there's the gift of interpreting that tongue, which is the ability to just in, interpret that in a public worship setting. So that's just a list of some of the gifts um, that are there that the Holy Spirit gives. And so I got one last question to look at here, which is how, if I don't know what my gifting is, how do I discern that? How do I start to identify what I've been given? Now, this passage doesn't give us any direct instruction on that, but, but I want to just offer a couple of ways to, to help discover that. First, first is by... Start out by asking God. Ask God about it. Pray about it. Ask him to show you, Lord, what, how have you gifted me? What have you given me? Uh, he's, he, he's not trying to hide that from us. Uh, he loves us and he will show you. It may not be overnight, but it may be through a process. And along with that, I would invite you to ask, ask others in the body of Christ, particularly if you're a part of a group. This is one of the reasons why life groups and community and being connected is so important. 
Get around people who are close enough to see in you what you may not see in yourself. It's so often the case, right? We just don't see what God is doing, but others do. And let them speak, hey, what do you think my gifts might be? And, and they might see it a lot more clearly uh, than you do. Another way is to understand, start to recognize that oftentimes we view the world through our area of giftedness. And so ask the question, when, when there's a problem situation, what is your solution? Okay, so when, when someone sees a struggle, the teachers are going to say, that person needs to be taught. That's how to fix the problem, right? Those with mercy are going to see that same situation and say, that guy needs a hug. They're both legitimate. They both need to, they, they both... They both need to be done. Those with the gift of serving, of helping, is going to say, that person needs someone to step in, and they're overloaded. They need someone to help them out. Give them a hand, right? Someone with the gift of faith is going to say, I believe that you are going to get out of that situation. That's what they're going to say. Uh, Someone with the gift of administration is going to say, that person needs to get organized. I got to help that person get organized and come up with a plan, right? Uh, The leader's going to say that, person needs to be told what to do. Um, Someone with the gift of prophecy is going to say that person needs to hear about what God says about that situation, right? You see how it works? Like, it's part of the the beauty of the beauty of Christ, and it also creates challenges because one of the challenges, we're going to get to this more next week, but unfortunately, the rest of the world doesn't see things the same way that I do. It's a terrible terrible, frustrating thing. As someone with the gift of wisdom, I feel like the world would be a better place if everyone just listened to me. (laughs) It's true. And uh, part of healthy self-awareness is to see um, that there's limits and who appreciate that others don't see things the same same way. So so let me close this morning. I, I hope what we at least started to do this morning is to is to blow some things up. If we've blown some things up, maybe that's a good thing. The, the conventional paradigm of this is what it means to be gifted. Like Webster's Dictionary, it says a gifted person is someone with exceptional talent or natural ability. The National Association of Gifted Children says gifted individuals are those who demonstrate outstanding levels of aptitude or competence and one or more domains. And may I just be so bold as to say those, those are completely wrong definitions, absolutely wrong 100%. Don't define gifting by how you compare with someone else. That totally misses the point. Gifted means that you've been given something. That's the point. We've all been given something. How much is not relevant? What we do with what we've been given, that is relevant. And that's where it starts. One of the easiest ways to jump into your gifting is to just find a need. Go out, look for a need, and just go meet that need. And you may, it may be a, connect, a direct connect fit with your particular passion and, 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 and gifting. It may not, though, but that's okay. God will use it, and he'll continue to refine it and and direct you and navigate you. Um, But my hope is when we hear that word gifted, that you're able to just say, that's me. 
I'm gifted. That's you. You're gifted. That's us. We've all been gifted. The the Christian life, by definition, it's a gifted life. It's living out a life of purpose, of meaning, of significance by making use of what we've been given for God's eternal purposes, for the goodness of others and for the glory of Christ. Let's pray together.